0: I had the great privilege uh, when I was eight years old uh, to um, move to South America. We moved there to live as a family, as missionaries. And uh, it was just an amazing experience. It really formed my worldview, particularly uh, around how um, two thirds of the world live in terms of poverty. And, um, you know, we, we live in Disneyland here in New Zealand, like we really do. And I know that um, there's lots of struggles for a lot of people, particularly I think with mental health things. And like New Zealand's got its own challenges. When when it comes to um, you know uh, monetary resources, we live uh, in the top percentage of the world's wealth. The poorest person in New Zealand is doing really well uh, compared to the world standards. Uh, and that really shaped my worldview. And that was sort of we lived on the um, the border of the working class slum sort of border. So we were just on the cusp of that, um, that kind of place and our parents' church plan. So we lived there for three years uh, and the South American culture is really, really different than uh, the New Zealand culture. Um, and, you know, every culture's uh, got their things. And um, what I loved about the South American culture is that they're big into napping. Come on. And they're big into barbecue, asado. <laughs> Uh, and so that you know they would uh, like the whole country shuts down from about one o'clock in the afternoon for about an hour or two. And there's no real marker as to when you kind of start again. Like eventually someone's like, eh, this was we get back into it, you know and it's sort of like, and the kind of the whole the whole city wakes up again and kind of cracks back into it. But because everyone has an afternoon nap, uh, everyone has, uh, has barbecues late into the night, so everyone goes to bed quite late. And it's a very, uh, certainly when we were there pre internet, I'm not sure what it's like now, but it was a very relational culture. You know, a lot of barbecues, a lot of sitting around and talking and eating together. And I just, I, I, it was a very rich culture to, to be a part of. Uh, so we came back here, and uh, and we lived in uh, on the Kapiti Coast for my teenage years. We went to Bible College, blah blah blah. But in 2003, I had the opportunity to go back to South America with a band called No Longer Music uh, to play some concerts around uh, Brazil. And so, um, uh, so I've, Ian or whoever's there, we go. So this is uh, me uh, at 20, whatever, uh, with um, my dreadlocks and stuff, and um, that's a real gun. Uh, <laughs> and but I remember when I got to the airport uh, I was so excited and, and we I hopped in this guy's car who picked me up and and like it was like ah oh, I'm back in South America and I, I literally had one of those kind of movie moments where like my head's out the window and I'm like I'm back I'm like, this is so cool, I'm back in this culture, and I'd forgotten, you know, how much I missed it, and how much it was part of my DNA, but as I got back into that culture, something in me came alive again, and I feel like this morning for a lot of us, like, we come back into this culture, and it's like, oh, oh, that's right, I hope that's what it feels like for you, it's certainly been like that for me. Oh, that's what it sounds like when it's not just coming out of a TV speakers. Oh, that's what it's like in the presence of the saints. Uh, and this morning, I want to I want to speak to who we are. I want to remind us, like this is who we are, friends. This is the culture of the church. And especially, I want to speak to uh, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. He says, "And now these three things remain: faith, hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. I want to explore what it looks like for us to be a people of faith, hope and love, uh, because the reality is that after not meeting together in a gathered way for two months, um, and I know that some people met in homes and we did, tried to do our best with the online thing, but we can actually forget the culture that we're a part of. Like if any of I don't know if you guys, some of you guys would have done longer fasts, like food fasts, and after like day two or three, you stop feeling hungry. It's weird. Like day one, most people do just one day of food fasts. If like every Lent, we kind of have a season of prayer and fasting and stuff. And it's like, most people and that's the worst like the worst amount of fasting to do is one day. It's just pure torture. It's just horrific. Like and I've done a lot of one day fast in my time and I've given up a lot of one day fast in my time where it's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to Burger King, I can't handle this. But it's like but when you crack through day two or three, it's like actually your appetite decreases significantly. And there's a danger in that. And there's also a danger in the fact that we haven't been in this environment for a couple of months. And my prayer is that that by God's Spirit this morning, there'll be a fresh hunger awoken in our souls for who we are and what we're about. And it's like, we're like, we're gonna keep pressing in. We're gonna keep contending. We're gonna keep leaning in. We're gonna keep cultivating a culture of faith, hope, and love. So let's, let's have a look at these three things. And I'm gonna move as quickly as I can, but it's been a while since I got to do this. So God, give me grace and give these guys grace. So let's have a look at faith. So, so we are a people of faith. Like this is an environment of faith. And again, the danger in what we've gone through in the last couple of months is that uh, our, our rhythms change and our world change and it gets very small. And it becomes about our bubble, and it becomes about our home, and it becomes about our routines, and about our Netflix series, and about all of these little things that become our thing. And now as we move, now the reality is we may move in and out of levels and blah, blah, blah. But we, as a community, we've got to cheer each other on, poke and provoke each other, spur one another on to say, no, we aren't the people that live closed, small lives. We're the people that lives open lives, lives of faith. Lives of faith that believe that God's at work. Lives of faith that believe that Jesus is on the throne. Lives of faith that uh, that, that hold dreams that are bigger than anything that me or you could do together on our own. Uh, John Piper says this about what faith is. He says, faith is a kind of spiritual tasting Of what God has promised, so that we feel a deep, substantial assurance of things hoped for. And faith is a kind of spiritual seeing of the invisible fingerprints of God and the things He has made. Right, so there's this sense when God starts speaking to you, like you start to feel what God has promised. I've said this many times, but like when we moved here to the Hawks Bay, it was in faith. We believed that God called us here to plant a church. I would say publicly, I never want to plant a church in my life because it looks like a lot of hard work. It is, hashtag, yes. Uh, but it's like we, we just felt called by God. And so we stepped out in faith. But what was that faith? That faith was that there was going to be a time that we would stand together in an environment like this of people we hadn't even met yet worshipping God with kingdom dreams in our hearts about what he wants to do in the bay. And we're like, we, we just, I felt it, me and Jen felt it, and the Bucks, we felt it before we, we saw it. Like we imagined it, it was like, that's what it's going to be like. And I want to just say to you, church, like as a community, we have not lost our dreams for what God wants to do in and through us. He's going to continue to shape us. We have faith that he's transforming us from glory to Glory. Amen? That he's doing a good work in us. Now, uh, lockdowns always expose something in us, like it puts pressure on us. And when pressure comes on, liquefaction bubbles up. Now, I don't know about you, but it's like, you know, there's been stuff where it's like, oh, I thought I was way further down the track of just being able to live and experience and walk in the love, joy, and peace of God daily as an experienced reality. I thought I was far more mature than it turns out I actually am okay, <laughs> we've got some work to do here. And rather than being discouraged by that, it's like, no, by faith, God, I believe you're doing a work deep inside me, so I'm gonna keep tracking towards that. We've got dreams, not only for what's happening here in Napier, but what bit, like, literally, I'm like, Lord, speak to us about Flaxmere, Havelock North, Wipokarau, Hastings. Like, there's dreams that you've got for Bay Vineyard that are far bigger than where we're at right now. The high schools in this region. Like, all, It's like there's dreams that he's got for us. And so this morning, I just want to speak faith over us as a community. Dream again, church, and let's not stay closed in our own little worlds, but let's continue to step into the things that God has got for us. And I commend you for coming here this morning. Because this is a, I just know that God's got an anointing for us this morning where it's like this is a community of faith. It's an atmosphere of faith. And so by you choosing to come this morning, and some of you came grudgingly because you were rostered, I know that, and some of you had a real battle about whether you come or not, and there's people that aren't here this morning because they're out of the habit of meeting together, and they've forgotten how hungry they actually are for the things of God. But you came. And so you're in an atmosphere of faith where he wants to awaken something in you and open you up to the things of God. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. And it's like by faith you came this morning and sometimes like you walk by faith not by sight. So your emotions and your senses aren't with you, but you choose to do it anyway. That's faith. I'm going to walk, I'm going to go, in spite of what I'm feeling, I'm going to choose to walk into that place. And then he rewards those that earnestly, there's a blessing over your life as you come into this environment. We don't want to have a toxic faith. I don't want a mediocre faith. I want a deep, authentic faith in Jesus that sets me free and leads me to life. Amen? So this is supremely a community of faith in Jesus. And even this morning because I like if you've wrestled with doubt over the last 2 months in terms of is Jesus who he says he is? Is the church his body? What's going on in the world around us? Let me declare that we are the community of faith in Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we believe that he rose again. And we believe that he rules and he reigns and that he will return in glory. And that this is a community that is the counter-cultural community of Jesus living under his rule and reign now. Jesus is Lord in this place. And, and so sometimes we have to come into an environment of faith and our faith is strengthened. We're built up as we come in to this community of faith together. Secondly, we're a people of hope. We're, we're people of hope and we need some of this this morning I need some of this like friends I am not preaching from a place of strength I'm preaching from a place of weakness and I'm preaching to myself right now I'm like well, I, I want to be in a place of hope I'm tired of swimming in despair I'm tired of being in discouragement I'm tired of just the news cycle that is simply the worst things that have happened in the world today for us to consume I don't want to be in that sort of space I want to be in a place of hope I want to be in a community of hope. But but hope isn't some bubblegum, fluffy, easy thing. The, faith, the hope that we're talking about, the biblical hope, is hope that's been through some stuff. Right, Romans 5. Look at this. Not only uh, so, but we also, listen, glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Paul's talking about the gift of suffering. Suffering produces perseverance. So if you're like, I'm just... Who's, some of you guys are going through this and you're in a place where you're like, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. And you're going through deep stuff and it's tricky. But there's something in you It's like, I'm not going to give up. It's suffering produces a perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character, hope. Like what the people I like hanging out with, the people I really love hanging out with, the people who have gone through some stuff and are still filled with hope. Still filled with hope. Because at the end of the day, friends, we are hope-based creatures. We're hope-based creatures. Like how you imagine your future's going to be dictates how you feel in the present. So if you believe that life's just going to get tougher and more miserable, what's that going to do to your mental health? What's that going to do to to how you feel right now? But if I could promise you that you were going to win the Powerball thing this Wednesday of 45 million... If I said I know that you have got the lucky number, the Lord has told me, uh, like, and you were, how would you feel right now? Pretty friggin' stoked, man! And you'd be like eyeing up, if you know, you'd be jumping on trade me and trying to work out, you know, you know, you wouldn't be going to Harcourts, so you you'd be going to Southby's. <laughs> right? Mm, must be nice, right? And how would you feel right now? You'd be feeling just so filled with anticipation. Listen. We are heirs through extraordinary grace to unfathomable glory in Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the creator of the universe, and he is for you, and he's cheering you on, and and you think money's good? Money's nothing compared to what he wants to do in your soul. True riches is what he wants to give you. That's what he's doing. Like, we are people of hope, and without that, man, we are just in trouble, well, actually, what we're going to do after next weekend, uh, the long weekend, we're going to do a series on mental health and the Bible. Because I'm like, I want to speak to the, to, to the reality, A, that it's we've got to normalize the conversation because we're not the sort of church that pretends that everything's sweet. And we don't, you know, and if you're, we're always living in the victory. <laughs> it's like, hello. Uh, a lot of the time I'm not walking, I'm not living in the victory. I'm walking and barely crawling in the victory. It's like I'm hanging in there. But it's like, but there's a way to move into life that the Bible speaks to. And so I wanted to speak to the wisdom that we see in the scriptures that help us navigate. But, but man, we live in this very uh, broken world where a lot of people are living in despair. Uh, there's this amazing guy called um, Andrew DeBlanco. And listen to this, not a Christian guy, listen to this. Hope is the way we overcome the lurking suspicion that all of our getting and spending amounts to fidgeting while we wait for death. We must imagine some kind of end to life that transcends our only tiny allotment of days if we are to keep at bay the dim back of mind suspicion that we are adrift in an absurd world. He's like... And this is so true. And it's like, yes, in Jesus there's a hope that actually there's a world that transcends this one. And that the choices and the way we live in this world impact how we live in the future age to come. And that death is not the end. Death has been defeated by Jesus' victory over death on the cross. And there is a hope in Jesus and his kingdom is breaking in. And as we yield ourselves to the spirit of God, we become more like Jesus, filled with indeed that love, joy, and peace. And so this morning, I wanna speak hope over us. We are a people of faith and we're a people of hope. And David, I had you on my heart. As I, I thought, oh, David's back, and I'm like, and this is a guy who has not lost hope, and this is a guy who's come out stronger after a, a wee holiday than he did when he went in there, and it's like God has done something, and I felt like the Lord, as I've been praying for you, David, said, it is right to hope, like you need to, like, it's almost like there's even a fresh injection of the hope of God around your future, and what he wants to do in you and through you, and, uh, and it's time to dream again. And it's time to dream again. But I sense that for us as well. It's like we're a people of hope. We're the people that believe the best for one another. And it's like he's at work. And even when it's tough, he's with us. Hallelujah. And so we don't lose hope. We hold on to him. Oh, I've got to keep moving. Faith, hope, love, love. This is my brother. He got engaged this week uh, to Ashley. Uh, (laughs) So cool. Uh, And... um, uh, it was very cute. She wasn't expecting it, which is lovely. And uh, she was like, what are you doing picking up that random guitar? And, uh, and then it all sort of happened. Um, and uh, right, we, we love these sort of moments, right? I mean, our whole culture is filled with, um, with an obsession with love. Uh, there's lots of little songs, crazy little thing called love. Love lifts us up where we belong. I don't know why does love do this to me. I want to know what love is, and I want you to show me. Uh, I need some love like I never needed love before. It's one of Met Tan's favorites. Can you feel the love tonight? You got me looking so crazy right now. Your love's got me looking so crazy right now. All you need is love. Like Our whole culture is really fascinated with love. And even with all the sadness and evil and depravity and sickness and disappointment in the world, there's something deep within us that holds on to the beauty and the power of love. And this is why I think Jesus is so intriguing. Like in the face of defeat, love wins. And what looks like failure is ultimate victory. And uh, there's something that's so captivating. And, and the Bible says that, that God is love. And this is where, again, sometimes theologically people get confused with the attributes of God and the essence of God. God's essence, like where everything comes from, all of his attributes are an expression of his love. Like God's essence, his his absolute DNA is love. Like that's who God is. And what's incredible is that love is ridiculously inclusive. Apparently, God doesn't care who he loves. (laughs) Apparently, he's not very careful about the people he calls his friends and who he calls his church. Um, and Jesus isn't repelled by us. Doesn't matter how messy we are, how incomplete we are. Like, just look around you. He loves them. Like, it's insane. Pretty crazy. <laughs> Terry dodges a bullet because he can't see. You'd be shocked, Terry. You really would. I mean, it's probably God's mercy. And so much of the Bible, especially in the epistles, is, this, is Paul and other writers imploring us that we would have a revelation that that God of love loves you. That loves you. Hebrews, Hebrews 3, famous passage. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, May have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep and everything is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge. Like that you would know the love that you simply will never be able to fully know. Amazing. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Zephaniah 3:17, he rejoices over you with singing. Oh, this is incredible. It's it's remarkable. It's the meta-narrator of of Scripture. It's the reason we've been created. It's the reason we have free will. It's the reason that Jesus came to reconcile us back to God. Love is where worship springs forth. It's the fire that fuels our service to him, our love for the poor. And, And at the end of the day, this is why I think sin should break our hearts. And this is what leads us to repentance. It's because we run to the one who can make us clean and who loves us. Love of God is lavish and excessive and outrageous and scandalous. And it's a love that's prepared to suffer. It's a vulnerable love that's wide open to the pain of rejection. It's a love that's faithful even when we're unfaithful. So nothing can separate us from that love, it says in Romans chapter 8. And Paul's desire is that we will grasp that love because at the end of the day we can activate something of faith and we can help us you know, move into things of hope. But the only thing that's gonna create a community of love, of genuine, true Jesus love is when we experience that for ourselves on the regular, on the regular. So what's the invitation of God is that we would position ourselves in places where we can experience God's rich love for us time and time again. Because we forget. We forget super quick how loved we are. And this morning, once more, I pray that, like, I, you know, there's a, um, what's that movie where Jim Carrey's trying to make everyone um, love him? Um, Bruce Almighty or something like that. And, like, there's this one moment where um, his, he's, like, he's got God's power, but the one thing he can't do is make people love him. And so he's trying to make Jennifer Aniston, I think it was his, his girlfriend in the movie, like, love him. And he's, like, mm, mm, trying like and it's just not working. And uh, Morgan Freeman, of course, who's the God figure, he's like, that's the one, I can't make them do, you know. And I feel a little bit like that sometimes when I'm preaching, because I'm just like, Likewise, used, and, and it's of- sic- uh, like, but you know? like just by his spirit. So all I can pray is, like Paul prayed, that there'll be a spirit of revelation. I pray right now, Lord, that there'll be a spirit of revelation and that that love would not be something up here, but it'd be something all around here. it will be like the love of God. And this is why, again, pom-poms out for your daily devos. It's like I'm back there in the morning, tomorrow morning before I had another day. Lord, just I want to sit in your love and I want to read the words of love. And then I want to go, and then like by lunchtime, I need another tank up if you're, you know, it's like, Lord, I just want to sit even for three or four minutes in your presence, fill me with, Lord, I just want to know you, I'm loved. And that's what changes us. That's what heals us. That's what leads us into holiness. The reality is that that if we're people filled with anger, then anger controls our lives. If we're filled with greed, then greed will dominate our lives. If we're filled with fear, then fear shapes our decisions. But if we're filled with love, Love influences everything that we do, and it begins to change how we live. And so, uh, that's the invitation of God: is that we would just remember, "Oh, that's right, we're the community of love. We're the community of love." And and just quickly, a little bit of social commentary. I know that some people are feeling very agitated. Is a word I like to use around or agitated around just uh, what's happening within our political world at the moment you know some people have had this feeling of the government really overreaching and stuff like that and again i'm not i'm i'm not here to to give commentary on on this. it's so complex right but it's like um, but i do want to say this there's a there was a, um, a american Jesuit priest called daniel Be- um, berrigan um, who was a real hard out anti-war activist which i'm like again the rage against machinery is like you know uh, He's a Christian pacifist, but also a playwright and poet and author. And Ronald Rollheiser quotes him, he says this, despite numerous arrests for civil disobedience, Daniel Berrigan steadfastly affirmed that a prophet makes a vow of love, not of alienation. Hence, in our every attempt to defend truth, to speak for justice, and to speak truth to power, our dominant tone must be one of love, not anger or hatred. I think that's a good challenge for us today. Like, the, the the body of Christ feels like love when you engage with it, when you engage with dialogue in any way. One John pushes pretty hard on this. He says, My dear friends, we must love each other. Love comes from God and when we love each other it shows that we've been given new life. I think I've got a different version up here. Do I? Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Like, There's some some big stuff in there. But the the thing that's so interesting about the biblical worldview of love is it's not the love of our culture that gets shaped through Hollywood films that most of us carry. The love of God is a self-giving, sacrificial love. That's what love is. So when it comes to marriages, like love looks like, like sacrificing and giving ourselves to another person and wanting the best for them and choosing to yield and, and, and sacrifice. And all relationships and how we treat one another, it's, that's the sort of love. And that's a love that we discover as we hang out with Jesus. We're filled with the capacity to have co-suffering love with him. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, the passage that, that talks about faith, hope, and love, it actually bangs on a lot about love. And you would have heard this passage uh, if, um, if you've been to a wedding, which is interesting because it's a real heavy passage. Uh, but let me just read it out, and then we're going to come into land. Paul says this, "'If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal.' If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Paul's saying, like, I. You notice the I there? And you know what preachers do? When they're trying to give a challenging word, they took the I. And when they've been gentle, you're great. But I struggle with greed, right? You're wonderful. I've lost my peace a bit, you know? And it's like, and so Paul's like, I, aye, I, aye. I. But, but what he's saying here is insane. Listen, let's, let's uh, use this colloquial language here. I can have the eloquence of an orator, the knowledge of a genius, the faith of a miracle worker, the generosity of a philanthropist, and the achievements of a superstar, but if I don't have love in my life, it doesn't amount to anything. That's huge. That is so huge. Faith that can move mountains, martyrdom, all sorts of stuff. That's insane. It's like, how does it look like? So, like, you know, what is that love, Paul? Like, what does it look like? Well, then he goes on. Uh, it's not, it's like, this is a, again, we love the proposal love, love but that's, that's easy on one level. I hate to break it to my brother. I hope he doesn't listen to this. It's like that part for anyone that's been married for any number of years, that's the easy bit. <laughs> Uh, and I I say this at a lot of weddings, and I'm like, I pray that this is the day that you look back and you say this is the day we loved each other the least. Because that moment is all emotion stuff, but it's like sacrificial love where I choose to pour out my life for the benefit of others. That's a whole nother level. This love of Jesus, this is not what our, our culture speaks to. Listen, this love is patient love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Jen's like, hallelujah, preach it, this is good. (laughs) Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That is amazing. That is amazing. I'm going to give you guys homework this morning, because we're in a school, and everyone's going back to school tomorrow, and so you've got homework, and it's going to be around that in a second. But Paul goes on and says, Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they'll cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part." Uh, But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I taught like a child, I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And why is it the greatest? Why is love the greatest? There's this beautiful old hymn uh, called Gracious Spirit, Holy Ghost. And one of the stanzas says this. "When we like, And this is all about the day that we, we see Jesus. It says, Faith will vanish into sight. Hope will be emptied in delight. Love in heaven will shine more bright. Therefore give us love. How beautiful is that? Therefore give us love. N.T. Wright says this. Love is the way of life in the new world to which by grace we are bound, and we need to learn it here and now. It is the grammar of the language we shall speak there. The more progress we make in it here, the better we shall be equipped. Paul places these abiding certainties over and against the things which the Corinthians were priding themselves on. Prophecy, Who will need it in the world to come? Tongues? Why would we need to speak them in the world where everyone understands everyone else at once? Special knowledge? We shall all know everything we can know and need to know. These are things which belong to the country we live in at the moment. Love is God's river. Flowing on into the future, across the border, into the country where there is no pride, no jostling for possession, no contention among God's people, we are invited to step into that river here and now and let us take it and let it take us where it's going. What a word for the church in this season. Love. What does it look like to be a community of love? Love is what counts. Love is what counts. And if you're anything like me, over the last couple of months, I'm like, ooh, there's a wee ways to go for Harvey here when it comes to living a life of love. What does it look like for my worldview to be shaped by love, my decisions to be motivated by love, everything that I choose love being, being like the, the greatest for us? So this is a community of faith, of hope, and love. And I want us to, to come home this morning in a sense. That's who we are. That's who we are, and to receive it and to drink it in. So here's your homework. We'll just leave that up there for a bit just to sink in. Uh, this, uh, I'll put this on our uh, Facebook page, and I'll put this on the podcast when it gets up. Because I think for, um, for different ones of us, there'll be different things the Spirit's doing this morning. For some of us, it's like there's a sense where we want to just grow in faith. We want to build our faith. And there's a sense where God wants to equip that in us. So I want to give some homework around that, hope and love. So faith. So here's the homework for faith. So build your faith by placing yourself in environments of faith. Like, I'm, my faith is built up this morning. Now, I've been kind of frothing on my talk for the last couple of days. I rewrote the whole thing because I had a whole other talk plan, but I felt like this was, you know, okay, you know, so we did the whole rejig. Uh, and I was like, and I knew that I needed to hear myself say it. <laughs> I need to be in the room hearing Harvey Talk about faith because it builds me up. I'm, I want to be, I've missed being in an atmosphere of faith. So I want to stir that up within us. So let's get ourselves into environments of faith. And you can do that by reading a good Christian book, by uh, getting in some podcasts, or by hanging out with people of faith in our church that are like, they're going to really stir you up in the things of God. Some practical things to do. Here's what, I'll, I'll get a whole sermon on this that I've ditched. A lot of people think that they're pursuing God, but they're doing, that all they're doing is thinking about pursuing God. If you're genuinely asking, seeking, knocking, and wanting more of Him, it'll result in reading books, listening to podcasts, getting around people of faith, doing things, listening to worship music. It'll actually result in some action that reflect your heart's desire for more. Okay, so uh, I listen to John Tyson just about every week because he's a man of faith, and I'm like, I need that. It builds up my spirit. So if you, there's just some practical things you can do if you want to build your faith. Hope. Uh, if you want to build yourself up in hope, then can you listen to Steve's Graham talk from our camp on hope? Again, I'll link to it on our podcast stuff. This will just fill you with fresh hope. It's just it's good theology, on biblical theology on hope. That talk rocked my world. All of talks rocked my world. I was re-listening to it again, just going, oh, maybe I should just regurgitate that for the glory of God. But anyway, we, so that's, that's what you could do there. I think it's a practical way of just building yourself up on hope. And, and then love. Here's the homework for love. <laughs> this is why I'm going to post it. uh, the whole chunk there is from N.T. Wright. I'm going to read it out, but he's talking about the passage above there that describes love. Listen to this. Perhaps the best thing we can do with a passage like this is to take it slowly, a line at a time, and to reflect on at least three things. First, ways in which we see this quality in Jesus himself. Journal that. Think about all the different attributes and the way we see Jesus express that. Second, ways in which we see, or more likely, alas, don't see, it in ourselves. And third, ways in which, if we were like that, it would work out in practice. Now, this is key. Such an exercise should never be undertaken simply in order to feel either good about oneself or frustrated at one's lack of moral growth. It should always be done in prayer, And at the third stage, as we ask for grace to envisage situations where we could behave differently, we should try to imagine what doing that would feel like, what steps we would have to take to make it happen, to avoid lapsing back into our normal behaviour. Then, when we're faced with the relevant situation, we will at least have a choice which we have already thought about instead of of behaving as creatures of habit – and of course, the ultimate aim is for this way of life, peculiar though it seem, and almost unbelievable at points, to become ingrained the ingrained way we habitually behave. Anti-right, friggin' mic drop glory. That is so I'm gonna do this one this week, and I'm saying it publicly because. I often think oh, I'm going to do these things and then I don't. And can I suggest that if you think this one could be a good exercise to do, then you make yourself gently accountable to someone to saying, I think I should do that one. And then and someone can check up on you, right? Because we have, the world's you know, filled with great intentions but very few actions. So uh, is that all good? Let me pray. Father, come and fill us afresh with faith, hope, and love. Lord Jesus, we want to come into an environment, we want this to be a culture, a place of faith, hope and love. And Lord Jesus, uh, the church was never meant to be fully scattered constantly. It was always meant to be gathered and then scattered, gathered and then scattered, gathered. But in this diseased world, we've, we've accommodated what we've had to do. But Lord, I pray as we gather this morning, you would fill us with a fresh vision of who we are. And Lord, we were forgotten and we've lost our hunger. Lord, stir it up again in our hearts, I pray. I pray that we would just be so hungry for more of you. That we would long to be people, Lord, that just walk in that culture of faith, hope, and love. That's who we are. It's who we are in you. Lord, help us to become who we are in you. Help us to live up to what we have already attained. Help us to be transformed from glory to glory to become the people that you had in your hearts when you created us. Lord, lead us into those places of life and love. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd fill us with that faith in who you are and in the kingdom of God advancing in this place. Lord, pour out your healing power on those that need your breakthrough in that space, Lord. I pray for, for just that sense of, of your kingdom advancing all around us in workplaces and families. Lord, we want to see the things of your kingdom. We want to be citizens of your kingdom. Lord, fill us with hope where we've got discouraged or in despair or we've felt a bit disconnected from you. Lord, I pray that you'll give us a fresh vision of Lord, and that we would not give up. That would persevere, and that that perseverance would create character, and that character would lead us to a deep hope in you, a deep hope in you that can weather storms and has gone through deep water. Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with hope, and who we're becoming in you, Lord Jesus, and what you're doing in this place, and Lord, that we would just be hopeful for our future. I just speak that over people that have been consumed. Lord, hope over the future, over your future, in Jesus' name, and love, Lord, teach us. Teach us to be a people of love, not a selfish love of our culture, but the self-giving love of Jesus, the sacrificial love of Jesus. Lord, as we meditate on that passage about what real love looks like, Lord, lead us in places where that becomes who we are more and more. Lord, we want to lean into that as a community. Help us love one another deeply, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.